brothers and sisters, it gives me great pleasure to present unto you tonight God's man for God's hour, Reverend William Branham. Thank you. So glad to be here in the service of the Lord to serve him, trusting it will be a great blessing to all, as it is to me always to come before him. Now seeing that there's many of you standing, we'll make the service just as short as possible so that you can, uh, won't have to stand too long and just be in prayer, believing for all things that are possible to them that believe. Now, we're very happy to have this time here in Parkersburg. We've been visiting around your city a little today, looking around, find some very fine people here, your merchants and so forth. And uh, maybe someday the Lord willing, and if you all would want me to, I'd like to come back here sometime for a big union meeting somewhere where we could set up for some time, get everybody together, all the churches, get them together and let's have fellowship with each other and just break down the walls and start uh, loving each other and the Lord love us when we love one another. And so we trust that it will be so. Now, just before turning to the Word, just for a few moments, I'd like to say this. Tomorrow morning, I believe, that the pastor wanted me to have his Bible class or something tomorrow morning. Will that be here, Pastor? Right. Just here. All right, sir. Tomorrow morning here at a Bible class. I don't think it's the healing service. It's just an evangelistic Bible teaching. So, um, if you have no church to go, if you have your own church, then it's your post of duty. It's your business to beat your church when it has church. But if you have no church to go to, we invite you out. And so then tomorrow night, closing service, a prayer for the sick tomorrow night. Then I go to Florida from here. So now let's bow our heads just a moment before we open the word and speak to the author. Our kind Heavenly Father, it's with grateful hearts that we approach thee tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus to thank thee for this great privilege that we have of coming to thee and calling you our Father. And you call us your children, my beloved children. And how that through the one offering he has perfected forever those that are sanctified, that are called for ordained, chosen in God before the foundation of the world, and now some glorious day he shall come the second time in glory to bring us from the grave, and then we will be like unto his own glorious body. We shall see him as he is. No more prayer for the sick, then. It's all finished. We're long with anxious hearts, thinking of the great time when we'll have the Lord's Supper together. Drink the vine, the fruit of the vine, and eat anew the food in the kingdom of God and see that great table spread out for thousands of miles. All the redeemed of all ages gather around the table as we look across at each other and shake each other's hands. A little teardrop run down our cheek. Then the king and his beauty shall come out in his white robe. Walk down along the table and wipe all tears from our eyes and say, Don't cry, children, it's all over. Enter into the joys of the Lord, which is prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Father God, we pray that every person here in divine presence tonight will answer the roll call there and have the privilege of hearing those words said, It was well done, my good and faithful servant. If there be some here tonight, Lord, who doesn't know yet, their sins and their blood, may this be the hour that their final decision will be made 
and their names recorded in glory. Heal the sick and afflicted, Lord, as they're laying here in masses, waiting, some standing sick, mothers working with their little babies. Oh, God, send the Holy Ghost with great power and move compassion and heal the sick and afflicted. Help us as we open the Word and let us fellowship now around the Word, for we ask it in the name of thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Over in the book of St. Matthew, I wish to talk just a little tonight from the Scriptures, and I trust that God will bless the reading of the Word. Oh, yes. I was wondering last night, I was twisting down here. Thank you, Brother Rufo. That's mighty fine. Thank you very much. I'm not too big, and I haven't got too much voice, so this thing has to be voiced for me. But as you notice, here's the sermon in itself. That thing is a mute. It cannot speak unless there's something behind it to speak in it. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> there's nothing to us. It's something behind it. Now, in the book of the 17th chapter of St. Matthew, we read this just for a way of uh, scripture reading to get a little context to base our thought. And quickly, we are watching the clock there, and I want the prayer line started by nine or before. So you can get out and go to church tomorrow and, and serve the Lord. After six days, Jesus taken Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, speaking unto him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou will, let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And for our text, as it would call it, I want to take the text of, Hear ye him. After all, he is the voice of authority. God himself witnessed so at this time. Hear ye him. There are many voices in the world today. There are many things going on, many doctrines, many isms. But hear ye him. He is the voice of final authority. He's the one that'll speak. He's the one that said the heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never fail. So hear ye him. He's the one to listen to. Now, Christ meets with man in different councils. Sometimes he meets with man in great numbers. Sometimes he meets with man in small numbers. The numbers doesn't mean whether Christ is there or not. It's the attitude of the people that's in the number what determines it. You can take an egg that a hen's supposed to set on, the hatchet, and you put the egg in an incubator where it's just warm light, that incubator will hatch the egg just the same as the chick, the hen will itself. Because it's the, it's the atmosphere that does the hatching. And it's the same thing in a meeting of this type. It could be possible tonight, and also probable it will be, 
that there could be an hour, this next hour on that clock, that there wouldn't be one sinner or backslider left in here without being right with God. It could be that every sick and afflicted person could be made well and go out of here glorifying God. This could break into a, a, a repeat of Pentecost if the atmosphere gets right. The atmosphere to bring such results would be the Holy Spirit. If he could get every heart and want a car, then he could just move masses and heal the people, save the people, or whatever, he has died to redeem them, and every redemptive blessing belongs to the individual. I want you to believe that, Christian. When you got saved, God gave you a checkbook, as it were, and at the bottom of every check has got Jesus' name signed in it. And everything that Jesus died for becomes your personal property. It's yours. It's already paid for. There's nothing you have to do to get it. Just don't be afraid of the endorsement. If Christ, when he died at Calvary, he finished everything that was in the redemptive plan. Everything was completed. When he died at Calvary, he raised his hands with his tied to the cross and said, It's finished. What's finished? All's been finished. Everything that Satan done to the human race, the price was paid for, and we are completely redeemed tonight in Christ from all of our, ever what happened. And no one can preach salvation without preaching divine healing. See? You can't preach redemption of the soul without preaching redemption of the body. See, when you can't deal with sin in any measure, unless you deal with sickness and every attribute, sickness is the result of sin. Sickness is an attribute of sin. I was preaching here not long ago in a Methodist church, and I was saying smoking cigarettes is not a sin, committing adultery is not a sin, getting drunk is not a sin. Taking the Lord's name is not in sin. Some blessed little old saint sitting in front with one of these high-collar dresses on. She just forgot where she's at. It got her so bad because she just didn't have one school of thought. She said, then pray tell me what sin is. I said, sin is unbelief. You don't, smoking's not a sin. Committing adultery's not a sin. That's because you're not a believer is the reason you do that. It's the result from unbelief. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall never come into condemnation but pass from death to life. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, chastened of our peace upon him with his stripes. We were healed. Everything's in past tense. There's no negative at all in Christianity. It's all positive. Done, paid for it, finished. Amen. That would make Methodists almost shout again. But think of it. All completed. All finished. Only fault is not in anything. God cannot do nothing else. It's already completed. Christ stood right here tonight. You say, Christ healed me. You say, I've already done it. Say, save me, Lord Jesus. I've already done it. When he died at Calvary, every 
sin that was ever committed or ever would be committed was forgiven right there on the basis of the shed blood. But it'll never do you no good till you accept it. It's got to be your personal property and that's your personal faith in a finished work that Christ has already done for you. So salvation isn't doing a lot of good works. Grace is what brings us to God. God saves us by grace and no man never sought God at any time. The Bible says he didn't. You say, well, I sought God all right. No, you never. God sought you. Man's very nature in the Garden of Eden proved it. Instead of Adam running up down the garden saying, Oh, Father, where art thou? It was God hunting Adam saying, Adam, where art thou? See? We turned the picture around. Here, this was said at point. This question in your mind. Jesus said, No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. That settles it if he said it. All right. We're not on that subject. We're just backgrounding a little. Get the fear away. Don't be scared that God's not going to answer prayer. God always answers prayer. The work's already finished. He's obligated. He must do it. He's got to do it to keep his word. Notice. Now, it's a finished work. And now, if you're dealing with sin, now maybe you never sinned, but there might be a sin that your father did, your grandfather did. He said he'd visit the iniquity of the parents upon the third and fourth generation. And each generation gets weaker and wiser, as the Bible said. But it's all started from sin. Before sin ever came into the world, there were no sickness in the world. And sickness came through the fall, and the fall was sin, and sin is unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. Before you even get started, you're condemned. You're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. No matter how much you was dedicated on the altar, how many times you were sprinkled, baptized, poured, whatever it is, you're still a sinner. That's all. Until you repent and God recognizes and seals that promise with the Holy Spirit. Right? Then you're born again. Then you're son and daughter of God. It's a regeneration, a new creation. Then your attributes, your, your thoughts are not like they were. Your life is not like it was. You become a complete surrendered vessel to God, and He speaks and uses you, and you're not your own no more. But you're bought with a price. That's the price of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it. Now, for instance, they were cut, trying to cut divine healing off from salvation. Uh, they say, oh, I believe Christ saved the soul, but don't heal the body. Well, that's just, the devil just t- turned the picture around. In the early days, they said he can heal, but he makes himself God to forgive people. See? Just the devil just bites the verse of the picture. If he's almighty God, he can do all things. And if he can't do all things, he isn't almighty God. Certainly not. And if he is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see it? Now, for instance, of healing, say, there's a great big serpent here, dragon. And he had his paw on my side, cut me with his paw. Well, I don't have to cut his paw off to get rid of it. Just knock him in the head. It kills the whole serpent. And when you deal with sin, you deal with sickness and everything it caused. You have to. That's just his foot. But it was all governed by his head. So sin was ahead of it and the whole thing fell. And Christ promised that he would meet on the earth wherever two or three were gathered together. He promised it. 
Now, sometimes he meets in councils with one time of 500. Another time, after his resurrection, he met with 70. Another time with 12. Another time with 3. Another time with 1. Where every man are gathered together, Christ promised to meet with them. He's omnipresent everywhere. Covers all space. He's omnipresent, omniscient, and he's omnipotent, all wisdom, all power, all places, everywhere. And he's infant. He knows the very end from the beginning. He knows every flea, every louse, every fly, every person, everything that ever happened at the very beginning. He knew it all. If he wasn't, he wasn't God. So therefore, he could foreordinate things to his work to his pleasure. That's the reason he said he hated Esau and loved Jacob before either boy was ever born, because he knew that Esau was a shyster to begin with. See? So he knew it by foreknowledge. What is the Bible? The Bible is the very thoughts that God had before the foundation of the world, expressed them in word and dropped them down to prophets, and they wrote them. That's the only thing it is. Just has to unfold. God knows all things. And by a spirit of knowledge, while well, God drops it to his prophets, his eagles who sail up in the air and see things to happen before it gets there, you see. Now, in this state, many times, Jesus never gathers with people just to be gathering. Christ never did anything loosely. And I think that's the trouble with the church today. We take too many of the things of God loosely. And now, I perceive that this is a Pentecostal gathering. And listen, you're my brother and sister. But the Pentecostal people are too loosely with the gifts that's in the church, and that's the reason God can't respect them. See? You just let them go any other way. They should be governed and put in order. And we find people interrupting the meeting by speaking with tongues and so forth. When the spirits of the prophets is subject to the prophet, I'm not saying they don't have a gift, but they misuse it. And it throws a damper. If the Holy Spirit speaking at one place, he'll speak there until he's finished. And we so misuse these things. Just let it go. Freelance. That's just as good as the devil would want to. Right. If them more gifts have been set in order and put this place, that have been a revival sweep in this land today, it's never been exceeded. We don't like power. We like knowledge. We like faith. you got power. Any man that's born again has the whole heavens is open to him. I was talking to a doctor not long ago. He said, I studied there a preacher one time. Then I got to that virgin birth. I read in India where they've had virgin birth and virgin birth. And I said, said, I just forgot the whole thing. I said, Doctor, you're trying to compare the ridiculous with the sublime. You can't do it. There's not a one of them can prove their virgin birth. There's not a one of them can prove their gods to be so. Christianity is the only one. Only pounder that ever said, I have power to lay my life down and take it up again. Because I live, you live also, and I'll be with you in you to the end of the world, and the things that I do, you'll do just exactly like I do, because it'll be not you, but me and you. That settles it. Muhammad could make that promise, Buddha could make that promise, and no other founder could make that promise. Christ alone could do it. That's the reason God said, Hear ye him. He's the final authority. 
Now, notice how beautiful, how the Scripture so gives us these wonderful promises, and every promise in the book belongs to the believer. See, you people here in this country is apple raisers, as I understand. You have a lot of agriculture, raising fruit. You know when you set those apple trees just about one half of an inch high, that every bushel of apples that'll ever come off of that tree is in it right then? You know every hundred pounds of leaves that'll ever fall off that tree is in it right then? Every blossom is in it right then? Every branch is in it right then? If it isn't, tell me where it comes from. Where is it at? Where does it come from? What do you do? You take the seed and you plant it. The little tree comes up and it's planted. You have to keep watering it. It has to drink more than its potion. It has to drink and drink, drink so much so it pushes out. And it'll push out limbs. It'll push out leaves. It'll push out apples. It's in it, but it has to keep drinking. And every word of God is a seed. And if that seed can be planted by the inexhaustible fountain of life, which is Christ, the believer has to drink beyond his imagination. Drink and push out. Push out everything you have need of. Because it's in you when you receive Christ. And we are planted together in Christ. And he is the inexhaustible fountain of life. Don't never be afraid to ask big things. God wants you to ask big things. He don't want you to be a little petty and juvenile. He wants you to ask big things that your joys may be full. Could you imagine a little fish about that big? Well, out there in the Atlantic Ocean, say, I better drink this little bit of this water, I might run out. <laughs> Nonsense. Could you imagine a little mouse about that big down under the great garners of Egypt saying, I just better eat two grains a day because I might run out for summertime again. Well, that's nonsense. If they had ten hundred thousand rats that size, never eat it up. And they had billions times billions of tons of them, so you should never drink the water up. And how many times can we multiply? You can never exhaust God in His powers and His mercy to His children. He's the inexhaustible fountain of life. Just drink and drink and drink and drink. I was game warden in the state of Indiana for seven years. I love outdoors. That's where I first met God in nature. I remember I used to come to an old spring, and that's the happiest spring i ever seen. It's always a bubbling, jumping. i go by, and maybe I'd be all down, tired, and walk down, sit down, drink. Look at it, I thought, what makes you happy? What you bubbling so? I thought, I wish I could be happy like that. Just bubble, bubble, bubble day and night. I got to talking to it one day. You know, you have to talk to nature. You have to talk to God. When Moses took off his shoes and walked up to the tree, the burning bush, he sat down and talked to it. That's the only way you're going to do now, he didn't say, I'm going to pick off some of the leaves and run down and ask Dr. Jones why these don't burn. I'm going to the laboratory and have a, an analysis made and find out what kind of chemicals this tree's been sprayed with. The reason these things don't burn. She'd have never talked back to him. But he sat down and talked to it. Just talk to God like that one time. Lay your, pro- your problem out before him. 
in the face of his word. I said to that spring, I said, maybe you're so happy because once in a while an animal comes by and drinks out of you. I said, no. Maybe once in a while a deer drinks from you. No. Nothing what makes me jump and bubble. I said, well, maybe it's because I drink from you. No. That ain't why. I said, well, what makes you bubble? He said, you understand? He could have talked. He said, you understand? It's not me bubbling. It's something behind me pushing me and making me bubble. That's the way it is by the Holy Spirit. There's something bubbling in you, pushing you up to me. To make you find to this guy. Bubble, 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 bubble is an everlasting bubbling up. You see it? It's Christ in you. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, the Holy Spirit feasts on the word. Christ calling his disciples up to the three of them. He taken Peter, James, and John. Faith, hope, and charity. He brought them up to the Mount Transfiguration. A few days before that, there had been a horrible thing happen, or just after it, rather. Jesus had given his church in Matthew, the 10th chapter, power against unclean spirits. He sent them out to cast out devils, to heal the sick, raise the dead, as freely as you receive, freely give. And we find them right away absolutely defeated on an epileptic case. They couldn't understand. They had a boy down there that's probably screaming and crying and shaking him and jumping around, trying to cast the devil out of him. Jesus came to where they were, and the father of the child ran to him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's variously vexed for the devil. And so I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do nothing for him. He said, oh, faithful generation, how long will I suffer you? Bring him here to me. See, he lived on a different height. When that demon saw Jesus, he threw that boy into a spell like he never had before. He fell on the ground and frothed and kicked his feet and straightened out and he said he's dead. That's the way the devil does. Jesus picked him up and he's all right. Just take him on. Notice, then the disciples come and said, why couldn't we cast him out? Now he never said, because you haven't got the power. Now, you unbelievers in divine healing, I can show you in the Bible, chapter and verse, where God gave his power to the church to remain throughout the age. I want you to show me where he took it back away from the church. It's not in there. You might find the almanac, but you don't find it here. This is God's word. Now, I want you to watch a minute. And this demon, the disciples... Said, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, not because you don't have power, but because of your unbelief. The church today, the professors, the believers, the born again, has the power to do these things, but they haven't got faith enough to put it in action. Right. I want you to notice some of our big churches that don't want to believe in divine healing. It's nothing in the world but juvenile petty jealousy. Exactly. Look, it was the same thing in the Bible. When those disciples a few days after that, they seen a man getting the job done. 
He was casting out devils. He was really doing it. And they said, well, you come join our denomination now. You come over and join our church. He said, now, just go on, boy. I'm working for the Lord. See? Well, they said, don't you try to cast out any more devils then if you won't hook up with us. No, sir. Don't you do that anymore. They told Jesus about it. What was it? Jesus said, let him alone. No man can do a miracle in my name, can straightway speak evil, and he's out with us, scatters abroad. See? This man wasn't chosen as one of the disciples, but he stood on the sideline and seen the, heard the commission, and he said, that means me too. And away he went and done it. He didn't have to join their association. He's just doing the job. And they were jealous. Correct. That's still in the world today. Certainly is. All they say to them people, there's not much in this than that kind of people. It's just pure jealousy. When it's on record, great man, King George of England, Congressman Upshaw of the United States, great man, throughout the world, miraculously healed by the power of God. Thousands of testimonies on record. Congressman Upshaw comes to the meeting out there in California. You heard the testimony? Never heard him? Never heard him in my life. He's one of your Georgia men down here. And standing where there's thousands and thousands of people, just saw a little boy playing on a haystack. We didn't say what I saw. There he was sitting in a wheelchair back there. I guess there's 150, 200 wheelchairs sitting there. I never heard of the man. After a while, he runs sticks and Mike back there and said, that come, manager comes on. That's Congressman Upshaw. He's been crippled for 66 years in this wheelchair. Told all about where he started, how he felt and hurt his back, and old rocks with a white mustache, low hanging glasses, tried to operate, how the board holds the floor and sets the bed down, just the vision kept going. He said, son, how did you know me? I said, I don't know you. He said, how you, will I ever get well? I said, I can't tell you, sir. I don't know that. Watching a meeting, always when you hear him speak, it's thus saith the Lord, you see. When you hear that, that's what's going to happen. The other is just a straight vision. And when he said, I said, I couldn't tell you. Well, he said, I've been, I was the vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and said, you know who sent me here? I said, I have no idea. He said, the same man that ordained you in the Baptist Church, Dr. Roy Davis. And he said, come over here. And he just got off and they pushed him in on the ground. I said, sir, I can only say what I see. I don't know. I called for the prayer line. I looked out here. I see the little doctor with tortoise shell glasses on, a little white thing around his up here, a little jacket. He's shaking his head like this, standing right out in front of me. I looked down and he'd operate on a little colored girl about five or six years old and it paralyzed her. And she was paralyzed. And I said, I, I called, I said, I see a little doctor that's operating on a colored child. Way down, way, way down. I heard an old typical ancient mama raise up down there with Spread out a big screen and she grabbed the stretcher. Here she come knocking ushers right and left, pulling that little child, said, Lordy mercy, that was my child. Said, here she is, and that's exactly the kind of man that operates. Well, a big bunch called her because she didn't have a prayer card and couldn't come to the platform. I said, now, Andy, just be reverent. Her screaming, her cheers come off those big black cheeks, you know. She said, oh, Lordy parson, that was my child. Here it is. I said, that's right, Andy. So will my baby get lost? I said, I can't tell you. I don't know. I can only say what I see. And I started to call a person in the prayer line. I said, just keep praying. God knows you. I don't. Just then, looked like a black streak coming right across. 
I want to look going down to look like an alley or something. Here went this little girl with a doll on her arms rocking it. Going down the alley, oh brother, all oh, devils of hell couldn't stop it then. God had already said it. I said, Auntie, the Lord Jesus has healed your child, your prayer, not mine. You're the ones praying. I've never even offered prayer for the child, but God has heard your prayer. I see a vision of the child. She said, Parson, do you mean to tell me that my baby will walk? I said, it's healed now. Little baby said, look at here, mother. Jumped up again to run around and went and fainting and everything. The mother took the baby by the hand. We heard out the great audiences of thousands of people. And there went the mother and child down to the audience giving praise to God and people screaming. I had to look coming along in the vision. Here went that old congressman, 80-something years old, bound 66 years in a wheelchair. He was going along with a brown pinstripe suit on, tipping his hat like this to people in the vision. It was over. God had said so. God had said so. Jesus said, I'd do nothing till the Father shows me. Remember last night? St. John, how many read it when he got home? St. John 5, 19. Very, very, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that I do shall you also, for I go unto my Father. More than this will you do. See it? Not man, Christ. Living. We're the branches, he's the vine, he dispenses forth the energy, and we yield ourselves, and he works the works of God through you. You get it? And I said, Congressman, oh, for all these years, you're 17 when you fell. It's seemingly that God would have healed you then when your bones were soft and nibbled, but here you are, 86, and your bones are old and brittle. But God has now chose to heal you. And you're healed, thus saith the Lord. His wife began praying. She reminded so much of the lady sitting right here with the black hat on. His wife come around and said, Willie, you hear what the man said? He said, Sir, do you mean that I am now well? I said, that thus saith the Lord. Out of a wheelchair he comes. Run to the platform, reach down, touched his toes, as crossed in the United States, Great Britain, and everyone testifying to the power, power, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Billy Graham's meeting stood on the porch of Washington, D.C., and sang to the congressman, leaning on the everlasting arm. Seventeen years of congressman. Brother, you're too late with your unbelief, see? Christ has raised from the earth. He meets with man. He counsels with them. He's the same. He brought them up here to the mountain, brought three with him. I want you to notice, as three earthly men was represented here, as the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. As three witnesses here, three came down from heaven. Three earthly beings, three heavenly beings. Here stood a heaven given a witness. Here stood us giving a witness. And they seen Moses, been dead 800 years, Elijah, translated. Moses and Elijah and God was representing. Three of the heavens, three of the earth. Watch. These things, we could take many, many views of this, 
The Scripture is so inspired that 2,000 years, ministers through the ages, who's in glory tonight, waiting the glorious second coming of the Lord, has preached this text ten thousands of times. And if this world would spend a hundred billion years through the aeons of time, that word would still be just as inspiring as it was the hour it was said because of God's word it has made in the dark. Radium, they claim, has no end. I've seen sometime ago where some girls was painting these hands with radium and with a brush and she forgot and stuck it in her mouth and it killed her. And years later, an analyst was taken of her skull, they could put the stethoscope on her skull, they could hear that radium still going in the skull. It has no end. God's inspired word is himself. You're no better than your word. If I can't take your word, you don't have to sign no papers. If I can't take your word, I can't do business with you. That's the way with God. I take his word. God said so. And it's eternal. And it's inspired. And every age is new and new and new and new and has old. And we're just going to take one view tonight for a few moments. That was done, to my opinion, for this we might look at. God was adopting his own son. Now, in the Old Testament, many people know, and you read the Bible, know that in the Old Testament there was a, a father who would have a child and his family. If it was a boy, well, that child, as soon as it was born, was a son. Now, I think there's where the people has made a great mistake. And saying, well, we receive the Holy Spirit. We're sons and daughters of God. That settles it. No, it doesn't. Not if you know the Bible. See? No. This boy, as soon as he was born, a tiny baby, he was a son. But he had a tutor over him. And this tutor educated him and raised him. You know, in the Bible, in Ephesians, in different places, and Galatians, how Paul speaks of it. Now, this tutor kept word to the father how the son was progressing. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing today in the church. That's why the church should be in order. The Holy Spirit's taking word back and forth. He's the razor or the tutor of the church, the child, or the individual when it's born in the kingdom of God. Then, if this tutor in the Old Testament told the father when that child was born, if he got to a place he was reckless and careless and run around and didn't care for the father's business, he was always a son, that's true. But he never did fall heir to the fellowship and to the, the powers of his father. But if the tutor said, that's a good boy, and he's, he's zealous, and he's got wisdom. And he's trying to do the best that he can to keep things running good. You follow me? The Holy Spirit bringing word to heaven. How that you're progressing in your growth. If you go back out into the world, God can't put much confidence in you. If you're up and down, this and say something, yeah, that's it. You follow the little clicks in the church? You're fussing, fighting, tattling, backbiting. 
How can the church ever go on? Now, I love you, but I've got to answer with you that day. Notice, that's where the trouble is. That's why we can't have spontaneous healings. Why stood at Durban, South Africa, and saw something happening on the platform, and 25,000 people got healed at one time. They took seven car loads, truck loads, cattle trucks, of crutches, wheelchairs, and everything off the ground, and 30,000 raw heathens come to Christ at one altar call right then. They wasn't indocumented. Well, they didn't go there and say, well, uh, Dr. Jones said that was a little telepathy. Well, Dr. Henry said it, that was fortune-telling. They had more Dr. Henry's or Dr. Jones's. They just come with triple childlike faith and believe it. Right. But oh, we Americans, my, we're so scholarly and so touchable, untouchable, you know. We know all about it. That's the reason God can't get in. You won't listen. That's the reason the church is not progressing. The right fellow in the Western country, that's right. But what a scrupled up bunch it's got to be. Now, you know that's true. Why, this church should be a light year better that the world would be talking to it. Sure, well, the very Holy Spirit itself going forth with power and manifestations, and people won't walk across the street to hear nothing about it. See? Now he keeps bringing word. But what if he says, this is a wonderful child? Oh, he's zealous. He's trying hard. He's doing everything that he can do to see that everything's progressing right. But what happened? At a certain age, now you Pentecostal people are not too old, you know, in your way. Luthers are old. Methodists are old. Baptists are old. You Pentecostals are a young church. But just as sure as anything, you got yourself so tightly organized and fussing among one another, God's going to put you on the shelf with the rest of them denominations. You're just drawing barriers and little isms and so forth. You cut off the fellowship. God can't work with you. I see it. While one meeting in Africa would bring forth, well, I, just what little time I made is better than a million converts in the European tour. How long do you think it takes that in America? They don't, they're not, they haven't got the ecclesiastical embalming fluid in them. See what I mean? Notice, I'm not saying that for a joke. This is no place to joke. This is a pulpit, see? I'm saying it because it's a place to push a truth out that you can see it. And put it such child way that you can understand it. You see what I mean? Notice. Now, when this child become at a certain age, if it had been a correct child, had been zealous in the Father's work, had been stable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, not tossed about whatever wind and care, not one day a Presbyterian, the next day a Methodist, and the next day a Nazarene, the next day a Pilgrim Holiness, tossed about like a leaf on a troubled sea. If it was stable, it's mine no matter what was that set on Christ. Amen. His affections working with one single heart. Yeah. Zealous of getting souls saved and not the church's pusses. Then, in the Old Testament, there come a day that this father brought his son out into the public as a witness 
put a robe on him and set him up upon a great place where all the city could see him. And they had the law of adoption. This father to his own son, who had been born in his own family, and now was of age, and was a child worthy to take his place, he adopted or placed his own son into position. Any Bible reader knows that? The placing of a son. Then after that ceremony, that son had a right. His name was just as good on the, the check as his father's was. That's where the church should be today. The things that I do shall you also. More than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. Then God always followed up every shadow and type with the antitype. Notice, he took his own son before three witnesses, Peter, James, and John, hope, faith, and charity, took them before the translated, the resurrected, and God himself, and there overshadowed him. And he, the Bible said that his clothes glistened like the sun in his strength. And then God said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. Peter wanted to build three tabernacles. He wanted all the Sabbatarians and law keepers to have theirs. He wanted all the rest of them to have theirs. He wanted to break it up into denominations, but God shut up. Said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And when they looked, they saw Jesus only. Love and everything had passed away. Let's look into it just a moment. Let's look at Moses. Moses represented the law. No man can keep the law, and no flesh is justified by the law. I'm glad that it's not good work that we have done, but it's by His grace, by His mercy, by His foreknowledge, that He foreknew us before the foundation of the world. Amen. And then, I couldn't be saved by law. You can't be saved by law. So if the law was weak and could not do, God in due time sent His Son made up the likeness of sinful fact about a woman born under the law that he might redeem us from the curse of the law. So Moses, God shut him off. There stood Elijah. What did Elijah stand for? God, Elijah was the line of God's justice. Elijah was a stern prophet, set up on the hill, under the will of God. And they sent fifty men to him, the captain of fifty. Elijah stood and said, If I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume me away to win. The king said another fifty. Elijah stood and said, If I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven. And away went another fifty. He was the lion of God's justice. Brother, I never want justice. I never want judgment. I want mercy. God's justice would kill us every one tonight. He would demand it and we'd die of a shadow. But now as we see the law pass away, and we see the justice of God pass away, the sternness of His judgment pass away, then let's look over here. 
This is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. What was it? God's love. God's love stood there represented in Christ. We've all sinned and come short of the glory. But God's love was represented in His Son. Said, hear ye Him. No matter what the law says and what this other says and what this says and what the church says, hear ye Him. All the things have passed away. They're all works and carnal. Man can't save himself no more than a leopard could lick his spots off. No, sir. He can't do it. God has to do it. And it's the works of God by grace, through foreknowledge, that ordains you to eternal life and touch your name on the Lamb's book of life at the beginning. No man can come except my Father draws and all that comes to me, I'll give him everlasting life, raise him up to the last day. Those who he has foreknew, he has called. Those who he has called, he has justified. Those who he has justified, he has, has since already glorified. In glory. What you scared about? God's called you, your heart loves him. As the heart pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts after thee, O God. There it is. What say, Brother Bram? That makes it kind of loose then. As long as I believe I'm a Christian, I can do anything I want to, I always do what I want to. Always. And if I want to do wrong, I know God's not in there. You can't get bitter sweet water from the same fountain. Right. You love the Lord, you'll do right. Yes, sir. If you love Him, you don't have to worry. If you love Him, just do what you want to. You'll always crying to do something for Him. Crying, you love Him day and night. If something had happened, you'd have to be trapped in something the bitter tears would run down your cheeks all night. You couldn't have no rest of the souls you'd be till you come back to the ark again. Oh, as you're a Christian. The grand old story just before closing was told I just left Switzerland last year. I was in Switzerland five nights. We had ten thousand converts each night, fifty thousand come to the Lord in five nights. Went up to Karlsruhe, Germany, another 50,000 five nights. Of those swift, hungry-hearted Germans tore up and cast about everywhere. Mother up in one side, dad down the other, children some other place and can't get to each other. They're tore up. They wasted all their loyalty on Hitler. I said, now if you're trying to come back, put that loyalty on Christ. He won't leave you and neither will he forsake you. And those Germans, the head of the England church, the Lutheran Church come down and took some pictures. He said, Brother Branham, already we see it. Said, you tell a German two times two equal four and prove it to him and settled it. There he said, I don't want any I'd like to do. Said, I'd like to come to the breakfast tomorrow morning and perhaps maybe if the anointing comes down, I'd like to take a picture and see if our camera in Germany would catch the angel of the Lord. I said, you're welcome to try. The next morning where hundreds of men were sitting together there sitting at the table, the Holy Spirit began to move. I said, just a moment. They turned this big camera around where he's shooting a picture and turn it with their hand like that. They began snapping pictures swiftly. I said, he's descending from heaven. I said, this man sitting here acts like he's a priest with his collar turned around. He is not a priest, neither is he a German. I said, he's an Italian, a ventilator of better than 6,000 communists. The man fainted over over on the table. I said, but he's become a Christian. Someone give him a testament. He used to be Catholic, and he's become a, and he's got a bunch of children in an orphanage hid out up into the mountains of Sicily. And there is the pastor. He heard about these meetings. He come down, and the reason he didn't eat his breakfast this morning because he's got an ulcer in his stomach, and he fell across the table. 
I said, but thus saith the Lord, rise and eat your breakfast, brother. Jesus has healed you. And that German camera was taking that picture. And when they got through and developed it, here was a picture of the angel Lord coming down, ascending down, and going back. Like that again. Germany had it. It's a great story. It's a great story that we used to know you boys, girls, when I was boy and girl, back in our ages. I meant to say when I was a boy, back in your ages, and you girls when you were at my age. I'd like to say this to you. Many of you remember the old story of Arnold von Lenkert of Switzerland. How you used to read it in your storybooks in school. How that one day when Switzerland, a peace-loving people, backed up into the mountains there and made them a little home. And they were in a, had themselves a little country there and they loved it. One day a great marching army come into their lands, all with great armors and helmets, spears, big, big shields, marching on into Switzerland to take their land. What happened? The Swiss got some pitchforks and hay hooks and whatever they could and got out there to defend their land. What happened? They couldn't come against those forces. There was that great marching army just set like bricks in a wall. And they were moving on, strong, strong, moving on, coming right on. They had the Swiss backed up into a corner, right out in a field at the foot of the mountain. There was nothing could be done. All hopes was lost. Switzerland was gone. Their wives would be drugged through the streets, their children would be killed. What could they do? Finally, one man screamed and jumped out. It was Arnold von Winklard. He said, man of Switzerland, this day I'll give my life for Switzerland. They said, Arnold von Winklard, what will you do? He said, just over the mountain now there's a lovely little white home. There's a wife and two babies looking for me to come back, but I'll never see him again. He said, this day I'll give my life for Switzerland. He said, take care of my widow and my baby. They said, what will you do? He said, follow me and fight with whatever you've got. And he threw down what he had in his hands. He looked over the army. He found the very deepest of the spirit. And he raised up his hands and screamed, make way for liberty. Make way for liberty. And he run towards that marching army. And the alarm stopped. And every spear hundred dozen turns to catch him. And he's long fight with his hands in the air, screaming, make way for liberty. And when he got right to the end of those great big 15, 20 foot spears, he grabbed a whole armful of them and threw them into his bosom and plunged himself to death right there. It was such a play of heroism. You know what happened? It routed that army. And those other um, brothers seeing what he had done, they grabbed their pitchforks and whatever they had in their hands and they fought as they could and they drove the enemy plump out of the land. They've never had a war from that day to this. See? Oh, up in the Swiss mountains. Just name Arnold von Winklard. Watch them little fat cheeks turn red and the tears run down their cheeks. It's their hero. His dying meant peace in the land. Hundreds of years. Peace, peace. Because of the heroism. What a wonderful character. Hardly ever compared with and never exceeded on earth. But that was just a little thing. I want to tell you something. One day, when Adam's race had been backed into the corner, the law had failed, the justice had failed, the prophets had failed, the judges had failed, and everything that God sent to the earth had failed. 
And Adam's race stood defeated. Sickness among them, death among them, everything, the death, horrors that ever place, nothing could be done. But in heaven there was one stepped out, the Son of God, said, This day I'll give my life for Adam's race. What will you do? cried the angel. What will you do? He came to the earth. He looked upon that bunch of men and women that wanted to serve the Lord. They couldn't. There's so much temptation, so much sin, so much sickness, so much troubles from Abraham. They couldn't. They, everything had failed. And he looked till he found the darkest spot of man's fear. That was death. It's always been. And he ran right to Calvary and got the thickest of the Spirit and pulled him into his heart and cried back, Take what I leave you, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and fight as you can. Brother, I mean, if there ever was a time when those disciples picked up that baptism of the Holy Ghost, one of the mightiest weapons that's ever been given to the hands of man, and they've cut a hole today through sin and they've defeated the devil. And running it back with his sickness and all of his things, man wants to see heroism. Man are waiting for a gallant stand. The world's waiting to find a man who can step out. You're not long ago when they said, when divine healing ten years ago, when I started out on the field, they said, you can't do it, brother Ben. Science is against you. Doctors against you. Modernism is against you. I said, but Christ is for right. Now, others have seen it. They've cut holes through everything. Come now, all this big revival far as kindled on every hill in the world. Every nation under heaven nearly is having a healing revival going on. What is it? They're waiting to see that gallop this way. Your neighbors want to see it with you. Some time ago, I'm a hunter, you know that. I've hunted all practically all over the world, big game. My mother's a half Indian, and I just love it enough that I just can't stay out of the field hardly. My conversion never even took it out of me. And I used to go up here into the mountains, in the uh, green mountains, and above the Adirondack. I used to hunt with a man up there, and he was the most cruel hearted fellow, and he would just want to act smart. He knew I was a minister, and he would shoot pawns. It was lawful to shoot one pawn, but he would just shoot him just for the fun of it. Now, if you want to kill a pawn, that's up to you. If the law says so, go ahead. Abraham killed a calf, and God eat it. That's right in the Bible, with some corn cakes and milk from the cow and butter too. God Almighty Himself eat it. The Bible said He did. Said that's right, and then disappeared. And could tell Sarah last when I was behind him. That's the mental telepathy for He isn't. Right. God always works in those ways. But uh, did uh, is that right? Said why did Sarah last? And the Bible said if He had His back turned to her. He knows what's going on in all places. So when you see the Spirit of God knowing those things, don't be alarmed. It's just God. So notice this fellow. He just wanted to be smart. And every time he'd see a little fawn, he'd shoot it. And I said, you cruel-hearted man. And he said, and he said, oh, you chicken-hearted preacher. See? He said, that's the way with you fellows. You're a little sissy. I said, no, Bert, that's not it. There's such a thing. Man is not measured by how much muscle he's got. That's beef. I've seen men that weighed 200 pounds and didn't have an ounce of man in them. Throw a baby out of a mother's arms and ravish her. That's not a man, that's a brute. Man's measured by character. There never was a man like Christ Jesus. There was a character like that. Man's measured by his character. And I said, man's not measured by his big arms 
but by the bags of the knees in his pants, or he's been praying or not. Right. And he said, oh, you preachers, you'll get next to yourself. And he, one next year, when I come up, he had him a little whistle. And he'd done it just for meanness. And he'd blow that whistle, and it sounded just like a little fawn crying. He said, watch me get him this year, preacher. And I thought, God, be merciful to that poor fellow. Well, I, I liked him as a man. I deal with all kinds of men. Yeah, that's the way to win them to Christ. So I went out hunting with him, and we was up in the woods, and he thought he'd have a little fun out, and he got to an open space up there. He took this little whistle, and he blowed it, and sounded like a little fawn crying for its mother. And I looked across, and a great big mother doe raised up those great big ears, those big brown eyes, her graceful-looking figure. She walked out there. Listening, hear that baby's cry. Bert slipped the shell in his rifle, raised it up, put the crosshairs across her heart, and as he's making the noise, the doe looked and she saw him. She looked out the barrel of that rifle. But what was it? The baby was in trouble. She didn't care if it life or what it taken. That baby was in trouble, and that mother's love was so great. No matter what the rifle looked like or where the death was right in the road, that bullet fixing to clean through her heart, she was looking for that baby. There was a cry, there was a need, and she was the mother. And she was looking for that baby. And as Bert standing there, and I had my head bowed, I thought, God, how can he do it? And as he stand there, I had to look around. I thought something strange, the rifle never fired. I looked back, and the barrel was shaking. <laughs> he set the barrel down. The gun down, dropped the barrel on the ground, run around and grabbed me in his arms and said, Billy, I've had enough of it. I can't stand it no more. What was it? When he seen that display of real mother's love heroism, looking death right in the face without one stare, it captured that cruel heart of his. And brother, if you could only find out what the love of God is. A mother may forget her something, babe, but never will I forget you. Your names are engraved upon the palms of my hand. Christ is looking for men and women tonight who will stand out with the love of God. Regardless, the world is looking tonight for someone to display the real, genuine faith of God. No matter what people say, what circumstances in, how I feel, what it looks like, I heard the call of God. He's my Father, and I'll stand to accept His word regardless. May God help us tonight to see that. As we bow our heads just a moment, and if the argument is built, just a just card, and card, you know. With your heads bowed, I want to ask you something. Have you been aiming your sights the wrong way, children? Have you been wasting your living the wrong thing? You know good and well you've got to die one of these days. You're going to be hauled up here in the graveyard. Jesus perished. They may sing you out of the river, pick up your pieces of your body on the highway somewhere. Maybe those great atomic bombs, there may not even be a dust left of you. But you got a soul that's got to answer in the presence of God. What will you give then for your soul? You got an opportunity tonight, and the Holy Spirit is here, to display His love to you, to come from glory, to speak to your heart. Now, I wonder why we don't have room here to make an altar call. But I wonder tonight if someone would say, Brother Branham, but this, or not Brother Branham, let's leave me out of the picture. Say, God, 
I know I've done wrong. I, I know I've sinned. I, 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 I've shunned you. I've kept quiet when I ought to have spoken. I've spoken when I ought to have been quiet. I've neglected to pray, I, although I go to church. Or maybe you don't go to church, but you know you're wrong. And the love of God's never taken the sin away from your heart. You've just been an actor. And that word Pharisee means actor. And I wonder if you'd like for God to remember you tonight as a sinner. And would you like to confess your sins and say, God, by your grace tonight, I hear your voice, that call, that little something that's beyond a mother's call, or something calling in my soul. And I now raise my hand to you, just ask you to be merciful to me. Let's see you raise your hand to God. Down over one look. Just like God and I do the looking. God bless you, son. God bless you, lady. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you, son. God bless you, back there, sister. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. That's right. Be honest. God, be merciful to me. Here's my hand. Lord, I hear your call. There's some faint little call down in my heart saying, Child of mine, you might have wandered far away. But tonight, I want you to come back. Will you raise your hand? Someone else now who hasn't raised their hand. Some 10, 15 raise their hand. Is there some more? Just before we pray, say, Brother Bram, remember me in prayer now as I raise my hand. God bless you, honey. God bless you, sir. God bless you, lady. God bless you, son. God bless you. Someone to God bless you, sir. God bless you. You and you, lady. That's right. That's right. Oh, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, sir. See you, man. Yes. All right. Just waiting a moment. You see, the Bible says, Brother Bram, what do I have to do to be saved? Well... We're always telling people what not to do, but the thing of it is, let's tell them what to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think, while you're praying, St. John 5, 24, Jesus speaking. Think of a handful in two dozen eight. St. John 5, 24. Jesus said these words, He that heareth my words, you have tonight, and believeth on him that sent me, has, present tense, everlasting life, and shall never come into the judgment, but has passed from death unto life. That's what you have to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. You've lifted your hand saying, Lord, I now believe. I now believe. Is there another just before prayer? God bless you. Yes, lady. One that hasn't raised your hands again. Would you raise your hand? All right, let's pray. Now, Lord, realizing that standing here, there's perhaps many, many angels. Because there's believers here, and the Bible says the angels of God are encamped. Not going back and forth, but they're encamped about those who fear them. Many more are being called from glory tonight. To encamp around those who raise their hands. To teach them the way of life. How they should live. They've raised their hands to thee, Father. Recognizing that they're not in fellowship with thee. They've been out of fellowship. And they so desire tonight for fellowship. And I pray, Father, that in Christ's name, that you'll receive each one tonight into your own beloved kingdom. Woo them by the Holy Spirit and fill them with the Holy Ghost and give them eternal, everlasting life 
call them out, set them in a ministry and give them special jobs in the great vineyard of God. If it's a little housewife, thou knows where to put her. If it's a man in the office or in the plant, you know just where to put him to do the best work. Man on the street, out on the farm, you know just where to put him. Thou knowest all things and the place positionally where to place them. So, Father, we pray that by the works of the Holy Spirit this night that you will place them into your kingdom. Many raise their hands. I do not know them, thou dost, but I trust that if not in this life, but in the world to come, I'll meet them there by the evergreen tree. For the fountain of water flows free by the crystal white throne of God. Shake your hands and say, Brother Brian, you don't know me just now, but down Parkersburg that night when you said, Would you raise your hand? I did. And I found my name on the book when I got here. I'm so glad that you come. I'm so glad that I raised my hand. I'm so glad you made that altar call that night. Granted, Father, now will you appear with us here? Let these new babies see that their faith is not in vain. That it was you who said so. It was you who took them. It was you. No man can come to me except my Father God. And all that comes to me, I'll give him everlasting life and raise him up to our You promise that God is your promise. Now manifest yourself to them, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, don't you love him? Isn't he wonderful? Wonder if you give us a little part. How many like good old gospel singing? Just how many feel real scowled out at the word get a hold of me? Feel real good? Oh, I, I feel religious tonight somehow. I really do. Let's see, down at the cross, can you give us the card of it? Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down there for cleansing from sin I cried. Down to my heart was the blood of my glory cleansing. How many know it? Let's see your hands. All together now, come on. Down Put your hands up. All right, that's fine. How many Baptists? Raise your hand. Put your hand. That's good. Presbyterians, raise your hand. Nazarenes, raise your hand. Pilgrim Holiness, raise your hand. Lutheran, raise your hand. Israel Catholic, raise your hand. That's good. All right. How many Pentecost? Raise your hand. All right. How many? How many uh, Presbyterians? Raise your hand. That's fine. Now we're all one in Christ Jesus. We're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Not long ago, down at Robinson Memorial Auditorium at Little Rock, I was having a meeting and it stopped all the buses, about 5,000 more couldn't get into the auditorium, it was out in the street. And there'd been a Nazarene brother who had had crutches for years and he had got healed the night before. He went through the city the next day with a sign hanging on him, saying, these old buddies I don't use no more. And I, he's up in the second balcony and while I was preaching, he raised up and said, wait a minute, brother Brown. He's so happy, he's all right. I don't think he's too much out of order. He said, Brother Graham, I want to ask you something. He said, excuse me. He said, but, you know, when I first heard you preaching, I was sure you was a Nazarene. He said, then, I've seen all the Pentecostals, and I thought, well, you must be Pentecostal. And somebody told me you was a Baptist. I said, I don't understand that. I said, that's easy. I'm a Pentecostal Nazarene Baptist. So that's the way we all are.
Amen. Now, according to the Scriptures, Jesus suffered once for sin, putting away all sin, sickness, and death under the curse. He taken the curse upon him and was made a curse for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastity of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. He was sure on earth. He lived thirty-three and a half years among man. He did not claim to be a healer. He said, It's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He was questioned one day when he passed through a great bunch of people and did not heal them. Healed a man laying on a pallet. And he was questioned. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. He said the same a little while, and the world, the world, will see me no more. That's the unbeliever. The world, from this till he comes, will see me no more. They say days of miracles is past. He died, rose, went into heaven, that settles it. But he didn't say that. He did ascend to the Father and return back. One man saw him after he had returned back. You know who it was? Paul. What do you look like? A light. Is that right? On his road to the mat. He was a light that even struck Paul down, blinded his eyes. The Bible said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said the works that he did would continue on in the church until he come again. Does the Bible say that? The works that I do shall ye also, more than this shall you do, more places, for I go unto my Father. I go to my Father and come again. I came from God. The pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. I came into the world, and the Son called the flesh, or the Son, the flesh called the Son. I returned to God, back to the light again, and appeared over here to Paul and down in the doing the same with God in his church. That day you know I am the Father, Father me, I am you and you and me. It's God in you, the hope of glory. Now, if Christ has risen from the dead, which we know he has, then he's got to do the same kind of works that he did before he went away, or he is not risen from the dead. If he's the same, he's got to be the same in principle, the same in power, the same in attitude, the same in all. That's right. Well, let's watch just a moment. Is there any here that never was in a meeting before? Let's see your hands, some strangers. Never was in a meeting, one of my meetings before. Let's see your hands. Many? Now, I want to say to you, last night we talked, tonight was evangelistic called Friends, Divine Healing is just a minor. You can never major on a minor, as I said. Salvation of the soul is much greater than divine healing. Divine healing was included in the New, new Atonement. Because the old atonement had healing in it, and the new ones are much better, see, than the old. If the old ones were furnished healing, what about the new ones? But divine healing is not on the same basis as salvation. When you're born again, you get an immortal spirit that cannot die. But when you're healed by divine healing, you will get sick and die again. Lazarus did, and all the rest of them even raised from the dead. 
but it's the attribute of his resurrection, and it's the earnest of our resurrection that we will see. God said so. Now, it's in the Bible. Now, we talked last night what Jesus did when he was here on earth. Not one time did he ever say he healed anybody. He wasn't a healer. He couldn't. Here's one scripture settled. He said, it's not me that doeth the works. It's my Father that dwelleth in me. He said, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. Is that right? Well, let's follow him just a moment. Let's take one of the scriptures we use, like St. John, the first chapter. When Peter came to him, he knew Peter's name, knew who his daddy was. Is that right? Thou right. Simon, the son of, of Jonas. But I'll call you Peter from hereafter, which means little stone, see. And when Philip got saved, he went to find somebody else. A good sign he got saved. So he went to find his buddy way around behind the mountains. They claim about 30 miles. And when he found his buddy, a real churchgoer, real good man, his name, can somebody tell me what his name was? Nathaniel is right. And he found him under a tree praying. And Philip went up to him and said, Come see who we found, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And when this man got through praying, he raised up and said, Now, could there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said, Come and see. That's the best thing. You come and see. You judge for yourself then. All the road around the next day when they appeared, Jesus was standing, uh, praying for the sick or whatever he was doing. And when Nathaniel come up, when Jesus looked at him his first time, he said, Behold an Israelite in whom there's no God. Kind of startled him. How did he know why he was an infidel? What if he knew he was something else besides an Israelite? Greeks, Jews, all look the same. And long beards and garments and so forth. He said, Rabbi, when did you know me? Why well, said, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Saw me through that mountain 30 miles over yonder? He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Is that what he said? That's what the Jews said. That was the sign of the Messiah. Jesus said, because I told you that, you believe that I am? Yes, I do. He said, then you'll see greater than this. Well, what do the church people do? Orthodox Church, the big high-class church, they stood with their hands behind him and said, You know what? He's a fortune teller. He's the devil, Beelzebub. And Jesus turned to him and said, I'll forgive you. You speak that against the Son of Man, I'll forgive you. But when the Holy Ghost has come to do the same thing, you speak one word against it, it will never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. How many know the Bible said that? Because they called the Spirit of God working in him a devil. We better be careful on those things. Jesus claimed he did nothing except the Father showed him. Is that right? St. John 5, 19, he said, I can do nothing till I see the Father doing it first. He showed him by vision. If that was Jesus yesterday, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and find me a place in the Bible where it doesn't dovetail with that. If it does, the Bible contradicts itself. Every word of God has to be exactly the same, set together. That's right. Just take the run. Don't take somebody's theology. Just take the Bible and read it. Amen. Someone said to me, well, Elijah, when he went out there and laid them stones on the, up on there and called far down out of heaven, I said, oh, and you mean God didn't show him? No, sir. I said, and you're a teacher of theology in the seminary? I said, I'm ashamed of you. 
Elijah himself said, I've done all of this at your command. Sure. No man can do it in his own will. It's the Father that shows these things, see? It's an act of God, not of man. Now, if Messiah will return to this building tonight, come in here and manifest himself in among the people, now no matter how much he'd come here to me, if you don't believe it, it'll never work. When Jesus came to his own country, they said, we heard he done these things over here, we heard he done it over in Capernaum, but let me see him do it here. And the Bible said, many mighty works he could not do because of their unbelief. Is that right? It's up to you. God is here. And one thing that we can rest assured on to you newborn babies that just come into the kingdom a while ago, uh, after this service is over, I want you to do me a favor. Not only myself, but I want it for your, your benefit. I want you to come stand around the rail here and pray and thank God for saving you. You say, did I get saved? Well, if you believed you did. Jesus said, listen, friends, it's not no great something that you're looking way out here to have to do a certain thing. Jesus said, Jesus said, not the preacher, Jesus said, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. What kind of life is that? Any scripture reader knows that that word comes from Zoe. Zoe is the Greek word which means God's own life in you and shall never come into the judgment or condemnation, but already passed from death unto life because you believed on him. That's how it means. Did you mean it when you raised your hand? If you did, God meant it too. If you didn't, your life will prove that you didn't. If you did, your life will prove that you did. So come up to the altar at the service and thank the Lord for saving you. Now, may he add his blessings. Now, I believe... Who give out cards? You or the Billy? Where's Billy at? Billy? How many? Hundred. Same thing as P. What's the P last night? All right. Be like the Parker's bird. You've got a little card. It's a little bitty thing. There's, it's just a little bitty card. Got my picture on one side of it. On the other side, you'll find a letter and a number. And there's a... We gave out some last night and some tonight. Is the whole hundred out? We started from the first one last night, didn't we? Did I start from number one last night? Yeah. All right. How many did I call up? About 15 or 20, wasn't it? Something like that? Fifteen? Well, let's call the last fifteen then tonight. Take from eighty-five to a hundred. That would break it up. Pray that your mercy will be granted tonight. And now as we humble ourselves under the hand and the moving of the mighty living God, I pray, Lord, that you will prove to the people that thou art the great Jehovah, the great God of heaven, that you'll show your power to save, to heal, to manifest, to perform miracles to do that which is unknown to man. While we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Brother Brandon, yes. I'm the last one on the list, and I, my mother needs uh, prayer more than I do. That's all right. I'll maybe catch her at the same time. See. Now let's be real reverent and pray, if you will. I want to ask you something. All of you together now. How many believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. How many believe the Bible teaches and he... I'm a stranger. Can you pray on and all raise your hands? I don't know you. How many doesn't have a prayer card and you want God to heal you? Raise your hand. 
There you are. It's everywhere. Then you look this way and forget about William Brandon. You believe Jesus died and raised again, rose again and sure tonight, that I am just his servant, sent here, it's not my voice, no more this thing I said a while ago, take the voice away from it, it's a mute, it can't speak. It has to have a voice in its speaking, or it can't speak. I'm just a man, I don't know you, but if Christ will come and take my vocals and use them and speak his own words to you, it wouldn't be me speaking then. It would be him speaking through. Now, I can't say, look what a great microphone this is. Look at my voice back there. It isn't a microphone. It's my voice. Microphone couldn't do nothing if it wasn't for my voice. Is that right? I can't do nothing except he comes and anoints. And if he comes and anoints me, I still can't do it unless you believe it to make a contact to the Spirit. That's right. So all of us together, working with him, with our gifts and faith together, can manifest Jesus Christ. So you look this way and believe that he's raised from the dead, and I believe he'll do the same things that he always did do. May the Lord bless you. Now, if there's an unbeliever that has slipped in somewhere, I have to say this now because they could make it, get me in trouble with it. And all of you hear me say this, and to witness my voice, if there is a skeptic or an unbeliever, you must leave the building now. Don't stay around here now. If you're a skeptic or an unbeliever, because remember, unclean spirits come from one and go to another. How many know the Bible says that? Amen. How many of them in conditions tonight you've heard of it? When newspapers packed it, insane, crippled, paralyzed, and everything else, that's right in the meeting. It goes from one to another. So this is not for unbelievers, it's to them that believe. I'll be responsible for you if you're a believer. Because by being a believer, I can make it leave you by prayer and your faith in the presence of God. But now, as an unbeliever, I have no power to do nothing to an unbeliever. It's, course, it's your own faith. Not mine, it's your faith. Your faith. Some blind man come to Jesus. He didn't have any vision. They followed him in the house. The Lord had mercy on him. He said, I tell if you believe, he touched their eyes, but according to your faith be it unto you. Is that right? No vision. Father that showed him nothing. So they believed and they got their sight and went along rejoicing. They truly believed. Now, who's the first one in the line? Now, uh, who's operating this machine this year? Now, I don't know how... Now, all be real reverent. Don't move around just for a few moments. They won't let me stand but just a few minutes, the boys, because it just makes me real weak every time. If one person draws virtue from the Lord Jesus, what about me, a sinner saved by grace? Maybe tomorrow morning I'll take up some of that teaching on that so you can see. In the Bible, every time, the same, exactly. It takes something from preaching you build yourself up. But these visions just takes it right from you. And so, if this one woman, here's a reacting here tonight, it has to be the first in the line is a woman. Now, this lady and I, as far as I know, are total strangers to each other. Our lady, I just want to talk to you. Now, you all noticed that picture, I supposedly, the artist who painted that, was supposed to be Jesus, the woman at the well. It looks like the well behind. It's not exactly the scene there, but it's a, it's a representative. Now, let's just take a little drama here for a moment. 
Now listen real close. For one, one move out of Jesus Christ will be more than I could stand here and preach a hundred years. One word from him. That's right. See? Now one word of his resurrection, of him being present, that settles it. Now, Jesus was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the Bible said he had need to go up to Samaria. Is that right? About noontime, he sent the disciples away for, for fiddles down in Samaria. And he sat down against the well. It's a little arch like this and some vines growing over it. He just sat back there, a middle-aged man. And he's 30. He looked older than that. The Bible said he looked to be over 50. said, you're yet enough, much over 50 years old. And you say, you've seen Abraham? But his work had drawn him down. He's a young man, but he looked old. And he was sitting up against the wall, and this uh, Samaritan woman come out, an ill woman of ill fame, a prostitute. She came out to get some water. So she draws the water out and started to go back into the city, and Jesus said, Woman, bring me a drink. She turned, and there was a law of segregation in them days. She said, It's not customary for you Jews to ask Samaritans such. We have no dealings with each other. He said, that's right. But if you know who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. I'd bring you water. You didn't come here to... Yes. Why? She said, well, Deacon, you have nothing to draw. All went the conversation about worshiping this mountain at Jerusalem. What was Jesus doing? What was he doing? Contacting her spirit. And when he found what was wrong with her, where her trouble was, he said, her trouble was, how many of you know what her trouble was? She's a prostitute. He said, go get your husband. That was her trouble. Is that right? She said, I don't have any husband. So that's right. You've had five. Live with five men. You're living with one now. He's not even your husband. Look, now listen. What was she? A Jew? No. What did the Jews say when Jesus performed that sign? He said, that's the sign of the Messiah. That's him. I believe that you're the Son of God by this. Now watch. Listen. If that's right, raise up your hand. All right? Now, just as soon as it starts, how many have seen the picture now in the book here, the picture of the angel of the Lord? Have you seen it? Here it is. Take it with George J. Lacey. Hangs over here in Washington, D.C. Copyrighted. Only supernatural beast. That angel of the Lord is in two foot from where I'm standing right now. That's right. The lady's conscious that something's just taking place, aren't you? If that's right, raise up your hand. See, between she and I, just as I can feel moving, there's a light between us. I'll believe it's in this book, lady. I'll show you what that is. You can see it. There it is right there. That's, that's just what it's between us now. See, I see it fading away and then coming back. Fading away and coming back. See? She's conscious. Now, it's hard because these people are all around me. Jesus touched it, but I don't know him. But if the Lord Jesus will tell me what's in your heart, what your desire is of Him, I know you're a Christian because I feel your spirit. You're a critic, I know it. But you're a Christian, a born, I'm not a hitchhiker, a Christian. You're, you're a real Christian because you have a very fine spirit. Now, if He, if he will let me know what you, His daughter, let I, his child, his son, know what his daughter wants, then I, being a man, you're a woman, there has to be something between us here. It has to be God using us as branches 
he being the vine, energizing your heart to believe and mind to yield, then he does the speaking and makes known to you if it's sickness, if you say, if you stand here with this suit that he gave me, if he had it on standing here, you'd say, Lord, will you heal me? He'd say, I did it, child of mine. Calvary, don't you believe it? He couldn't do it the second time. God even told us not to use vain repetition. So he couldn't repeat the thing over. He could do something maybe to, he'd know you if the Father would reveal it. Is that right? If he'll tell me what you're here for, what you want out of him, what your desire is, will you accept it as being from him? Will the audience accept it then? Does anybody here know the woman? Raise your hand. Anybody know her? Yes, there's many here know her. Now may the Lord grant it. Now the lady, seemingly, if the people can still hear me, my lips are numb, and it's his spirit moving, she's going away from me. I see her at a door of a place. She's going in, and it's a, it's a lady's trouble, a female trouble, that's bothering her. That's exactly right. No one can see that but the bad. You and God alone. That's true, isn't it? That's how many believe now. Amen. Now, the more I would speak to her, more he would say. Would you like me to speak to her just a little more? Would it encourage you more? Yeah. All right. Let's see if the Lord would say one. Now I could stand with her an hour. Or not that long. You couldn't let me stand. Maybe 15 minutes. And it would just take your whole life then, as he would reveal it. But because you are a Christian, I can't do this myself. I can't make it happen. It has to happen. Now, what he told you, I don't know. But he does. The tape recorders have got it. Now, I'm just asking. He may not tell me nothing else. If he does, I can tell you. If he doesn't, I can't. But as I see the woman leaving from me again, I believe that he shall speak again. I see the lady praying. And in her prayer, she's asking for somebody else. It's a person that's got arthritis. It's a woman. And she calls her auntie. It's your aunt that you're praying for, that has arthritis. That's right, isn't it? Do you now believe? You believe that he gives you what you ask for? Just come here just a moment. Now the Bible says, there's something that says, let's get you Now tell me what you judge to be. If you believe it's Christ trying to get to you, then you'll get what you ask. It's up to you now. The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the stick, they shall recover. Now, Heavenly Father, and thy great presence, this I pray. She doesn't know me. We're strangers to each other, are we, lady? We are. Then if anything would be known, it has to come through God alone. Is that right? Now, if I could, if you were sick, and I could heal you and wouldn't do it, I'd be an unworthy brute. If I could do something for you and wouldn't do it, lady, what kind of a person would I be? But I can't do nothing for you. No more than what he'd let me do. He might tell me something. He might do something to bring your faith in a finished work. He can't do nothing for you until you believe. You know that? Look, 
He is sitting at the right hand of the majesty of God on high. Before me is suffering with a complete nervous condition. She's very nervous. She's been that way for some time. And the lady also is going blind. Her eyes are going bad. That's caused from a nerve condition, hardening of the nerve, shutting off the vision. Simply a blind spirit. The lady also has a rupture that she suffers with. That's right. And I see you moving in somewhere with a cloth over you. You come out one, two, three. It's, uh, it's operation. You've had a lot of trouble, haven't you? That's right. You believe that you're in His presence? With all your heart you believe? Or it comes with you. Heaven's gone, sister. You kept appearing here. I believe it's over now. Would you do me a favor? There's the angel of the Lord when the lady next to you that diabetes is suffering that. You believe that she would be made well too? Do you believe, your sister, that God would heal you? You, you believe it? Raise up your hand. You were praying for that, wasn't you? All right. I've seen your blood look like sugar dropping to it like that. That's right. Have faith. Watch it, baby. She believed. She had faith. Is he is the scriptures fulfilled? He's a high priest. When now does your heart be touched? There's diabetes sitting right there, the lady. You believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Child, would make the uh, person well? If you can believe what you ask for, you can have for what you ask. If thou canst believe, said the Bible, you can have what you ask for. The blessing went to a man. When you spoke to the answer, quick. The man was setting out his hand up with a heart trouble. Hand up like this, little red pound. You believe me to be God's prophet or his servant? That's your wife sitting next to you, isn't it? Female trouble, isn't it? Put your hands on each other. Oh, you get out of there. She failed. She was the same. Come on. Well, it was a lady, but there's a, a lady sitting next to her there. Yeah. Wiping your nose. Put your hand up like this. You believe God healed you that stomach trouble and make you well? You believe with all your heart? You're praying for it, wasn't you? All right, receive your healing. Your nervous gives you an ulcer. That lady sitting right next to her, that there's the angel of the Lord standing by her. She's got a throat trouble. That's right, isn't it, lady? Raise your hand. One right next to you, the last one on the end of the road, that other lady's got a nervous condition. She says, is that right, lady? There he is. He's got a whole roll of them. Hallelujah. Right? Raise the Lord. He's alive. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. 
strange is he calling you? Following you? You're scared of something. It's in your throat. You're afraid of cancer there. And you're a preacher. Right. I see you standing in the pulpit. And you're not from this city. You're from a city where it's a big one. It's Columbus, Ohio. Amen. Leave you too. With all your heart, that makes you well. Going over there, aren't we? And then he's here every week. He's pulling from everywhere. It brings me what you're here for. You'll have to know what. If I come say, well, you're sick, you're going to get well, you'd have a right to doubt that. That's no miracle. But the miracle, you look like a healthy woman. It's tell you what's wrong. If I say pulpit, it must be somebody, or was somebody just healed from the pulpit or something? Keeps appearing before me. It must have been the shock of it. That's the man that just, was there a man just now prayed for something and just don't leave in front of me? There was something maybe I, well, anyhow, never seen you, but Christ all about you, doesn't he? You believe he could heal you? That he will. That's right. Ladies' trouble and so forth. Female disorders. That's bothering you. Been for some time too. One of us can add that has a drainage. You see, which makes it. That's true. You know, nobody knows that but you and God alone. I'm not reading your mind. You're a stranger here in this city. You come across the river too. You're from a place in Ohio, Jacksonville, right? Right. Betty Camel, and you could go home and be made well if you believe it. Is that right? Be with all your heart. You're strange, but you're standing here for somebody else. That's the sister. That's right. Or That is true. Now you've got a trouble too that should be healed. That's in your kidneys. The kidney trouble. That's that's saith the Lord. You believe me to be his prophet and his servant? You believe it's him and not me? You believe you're in his presence and that's what's making you feel that way? Something vibrating over your spirit that you know being a Christian has to be the Holy Ghost? Only oh, this audience can only believe like you just now, ladies. This whole audience can believe in one moment you see one of the greatest things happen. There is spontaneous wave of power that is doing here. I speak in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, in Christ's name, I pray that you heal all kidneys. For the Lord Jesus is the healer of all diseases. You believe that, lady? You believe standing in his presence, he can heal you now and make you well. Come here, good man. Father God, who created heavens and earth, made all things to praise you. I pray that you'll heal this poor mortal. 
and let her faith look to thee and touch this redemptive blessing to now in Christ's name. And strangers to one another. But you have a very strange nature. That is a deep thinker. Always crossing bridges before you get to it. It's always a bad thing. Never happens the way you plan it to happen. And by that it's developed a peptic condition of the stomach, giving you stomach trouble. That's right, isn't that, sir? But that's right, raise your hands, which it is right. Couldn't be nothing else. God Almighty knows it. You now throw a spot of a negative thought and we'll go home and eat your supper and, and praise God and give you praise for it. Look at me. I mean by that not looking. I hope you understand. Peter and John passed through the gate called Beautiful and said, Look on us. That is just really the I hope people understand it. Elijah one time when they got him all stirred up when Ahab's son was there and his mother Jezebel idols, worshippers who had caused out of trouble, he said, if I didn't respect the presence of Jehoshaphat, wouldn't even look at you. I said, bring me a minstrel. When a minstrel begins to pray, the Spirit come on the prophet. You hear him play only believe? Those things, then the Spirit comes down. Him brings him down. Then a gift of God goes to work. All that coughing, laying up at night, that asthmatic condition, coughing head off nearly, dry, dry throat, my heart restless eyes. But you believe that he's here to take it away? Let me just lay my hands on it. Heavenly Father, I lay my hands upon this woman in obedience to the blessed word of God, that these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. This I ask in Christ's name. Amen. I know I've got probably as far as you're going to let me go there, touching my sides, and I know that's for me to leave. I want you to do something. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to pray this prayer behind me. I'll just repeat it. You pray it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, Author of everlasting life, and giver of every good gift, I, your servant, stand in need. I need thee, Lord. Thou knowest my need. I am aware that Jesus has raised from the dead, and he's here in this building tonight to give to me by his suffering. And his presence, everything that I have need of. Thou, God, knows what I have need of. And I now claim it as my personal property. In Jesus' name, I will confess it. I will believe from his voice. In Christ's name, that's your prayer. Now keep your head down. Keep closed in. Quietly, the organ is only belief. Quietly, close your eyes. Who would you think that is standing by? Who is that who knows you? Yes, the little lady there with the TV. It's over, sister. Your face makes you up. That man sitting there getting up at night with that prostrate trouble sitting there, sir, with a white shirt on. Yeah. It's over, sir. 
see you walking back and forth to the bathroom. Go home tonight and rest in peace. Keep shutting with God. He's there. See, touching my side, saying I must go now. That's your prayer. Now I'm going to pray for you. This is my prayer. You believe. Oh, God. What an evil thing Satan is. He binds the helpless. He comes in by force. He puts the children of God in the corner. But tonight he's exposed. Tonight we realize that he's just a bluff. He has no legal rights. Christ stripped him of everything he had at Calvary. Everything, even fear. Everything was paid for at Calvary. And Satan, you don't have any legal rights over God's children. They're God's heritage. You can't hold them.